Welcome to Fountain Springs Online. At Fountain Springs, we believe in showing unconditional love, irrational generosity, and being unwavering in our mission to show people who Jesus is. We are one church in multiple locations that exists to help grow and guide your relationship with Jesus. We are so glad you've joined us today, and we hope that we can encourage, challenge, and support you in your walk with Jesus. Feel free to join us this coming weekend at any of our locations and services, or call or email us so we can help you in any way. We are so glad that you've joined us today at Fountain Springs Online. Now let's turn our attention to this week's message. Hey, Fountain Springs Church, we have an incredible treat for you today. Uh, we added a new member to our team, Ryan Callahan. He's our new student ministry pastor, and you get to meet him today because he's gonna preach today. But before he starts preaching, I wanted you to get to know him a little bit more. And so he and I had a conversation. We just sat down and talked about the process of him joining our team, but even more about what he sees in our community and the value of students. So I want you to sit back before, before he gets at preaching. I want you to listen to his heart, the words he shared. It was a great conversation. Take a listen. Ryan, I remember when we started this whole process about 10 months ago. Uh, we uh, even got a company involved. A lot of times, if we're gonna hire someone, uh, we, we, there's multiple places around the United States that help us find folks to, to join the team. And I remember we hired a company and we began looking. We wanted someone who would be our student ministry pastor and and would, would believe in this generation that would really, like, not just want a role in a church, but would see value in this current generation. And I, I remember hiring this company, so we're, we're using them. But then outside of them, I get this email from you directly. And I'm like, oh, cool, you know, here's, here's your resume. This is awesome. And, and your resume was like, wow, this guy's an overachiever. It's, this is good. <laughs> and so look through it. And I remember we responded to you, you know, saying, hey, we're working with a company trying to find this, uh, this position, so can you send your information to this company? And a part of me is like, I sure hope you make it through there. <laughs> and, and I remember you gave your information to the company, kind of joined up with them, and, and not long after, this company tells us, hey, we've got a great recommendation for you, this Ryan Callahan guy. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I've seen that name before. <laughs> and so you like had to do like a full loop through, which, Kudos to you, man. Uh, some people would give up and not want to go through that. But uh, man, we are excited to have you on our team. Um, and I mean that, like I think what you get to do as a part of our team is gonna have influence for years upon years. But uh, I'm curious, I think we need to get to know you a little bit more. What have you been doing pre-joining the team of Fountain Springs Church? What have you been up to? Uh, for the last decade, I've been in youth ministry. I actually started my journey as a minister in South Africa, and I really got a heart for, for youth ministry, for orphans, for, for kids that were in hard times. Mm -hmm. And God really planted a calling in my heart, and I came back to the States after trying to stay and do, do mission work. God really had a different door open, and, and I began the journey of stateside work in, in youth ministry. And so I got married and... Um, have kids now and so it's just been a re really cool thing that we've been working through but 
it's it's an honor to be here at Fountain Springs and um, to continue on in that in that calling that God's placed in my heart. I mean, I, I've been to South Africa, South Dakota. They're pretty much the same. Basically, I mean, I don't yeah. see much difference in there. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, I know that you have a wonderful bride. Uh, when did you guys meet? Uh, how'd that happen? How'd you get married? Yeah. <laughs> God just graced me more than everybody awesome. else. <laughs> That's our, all of our stories. Yes. It was a blind date situation. They set us up and, uh, yeah, it was crazy. It was over coffee, of course, because that's the way anyone who's Christian should meet. I agree but with you. <laughs> we, we sat down and, and we began to talk about orphans and widows and this, this giant calling that God placed in our heart. And I went like, I have to marry you tomorrow. <laughs> so we did. Did you tell her that? Uh, kind of, like okay. a week later. It was, wow. it was, went really fast. <laughs> so you, you've got kiddos yeah. and that's a great story. What, yeah. What, you do? So about two years into marriage, we, we started to go like, are we supposed to move and do orphanage work? Or are we supposed to open our home to foster care? What are, what really are we supposed to do now? We, we believe that God's placed that in our marriage as kind of a, a uniting mission. And so we began to pray about it and we started the process of fostering and, and we've had, we got a little girl and, and then subsequently her brother and mm -hmm. fought for them for three years and, and legally adopted them right before we came. So. That's awesome. It gives me goosebumps, man. That's awesome. Uh, both of your hearts, you and Rebecca are, uh, that was a part of it. I remember having breakfast with you guys. And one thing that got conveyed, not just in what you said, but you just, kind of oozed out of you both, that you genuinely care about people yeah, and love having you on the team. So you are, are not from Rapid City, South Dakota, which I wasn't either. Uh, we're about to have been here for about 10 years, but you, you're new, you're new to the church, you're you all. So what, what thoughts and emotions and um, experiences stuck on you as you began to, I, I think it's safe to say the word investigate on yeah. if you're gonna relocate to Rapid City and do something. Yeah, I remember my wife, we had a conversation early on, like what is God moving us towards? Because I, I had quit a job, a really great job, but I knew I was supposed to not walk away from the church. But there was an in-between time when she was working as a, as a teacher and, and I was trying to find work. And I was getting frustrated, honestly. And I remember saying like, if, if God gives me full-time work, will you stay home? Because that was her desire. And so we began that national search kind of on the other side of the coin. And I remember talking to nine churches in, in all these different areas. And I remember God really whittling it down for different reasons. He, he whittled it down to kind of two churches, one on the East Coast and, and Rapid City in Fountain Springs. And I remember we were gonna take a trip to that church on the East Coast and we, it was a week before um, we came up here and we sat down with the pastors, we sat down with you. And I remember sitting down and hearing like the passion and the heart for the Black Hills. And I remember God like going, this is for you. And I went, can you tell my wife that? <laughs> because it was Rapid City, it was South Dakota, it was, we're coming from San Antonio, Texas. like this massive city where all our family lives to almost like a missionary lifestyle, like smaller, smaller place to live, like it's gonna be freezing, like all of these changes. And so I remember sitting in the car in between some of these meetings and God continuing to kind of go like, this is where you're gonna live. So open your eyes to what's here. 
and just getting like excited about it, mm -hmm. but not wanting to get too excited because if Rebecca says no, like we're staying, <laughs> and because that's that's what marriage is. It's it's not we, we've got to be on the same page with a move like this, and so. In sitting with you, I heard the heart of, there was two things that I heard that were very, very clear. It was authentic voice and it was vulnerability. It was this willingness to sit down and share deep, dark secrets. You didn't know me from anybody. And you told me about things that you had messed up and things in ministry that had messed up. But you talked about grace in a way that really like lit me on fire. I was like, I've got to be under his leadership and, and I want to go where he's going. Cool. So, you got the job. I got the job. You've moved. Yep. Uh, and now you are a student ministry pastor. Why? What, what, what's in your heart? What has God even put in your mind about the Black Hills, about students in particular? Yeah. What gets you excited? I just want to hear about it. For sure. When we moved here, I, at first I was like, the Black Hills is a beautiful area. And I, and I had this vision that God would, would allow us to touch the 7,000 students mm. that, are, that are here. Man, that's awesome. Like if we could have those students in a church, not just Fountain Springs, but like any church, and they were hearing the, the love of Christ and they were being transformed by that word, like what would this state look like? Like what would the impact that we could do outside of the state be? I've, I've listened to you uh, preach a few times already on Wednesday nights with the students and you are exuding, uh, just pouring out to them and, and I'm seeing them understand this is not, they're not in a waiting phase of life or a holding pattern. You're teaching them and this is what I love because well, my kids, some one's in it already and others will come through it, that the teenage years, the student years are not a waiting time. And I think it's one of the most critical stages of life and I'm glad that you're leading our students. Thank you for that. Yeah. I 100% agree. I believe that this is the church. Mm -hmm. And I believe that, that if we don't give students an opportunity to be the church right now, what is the church in 10 years? What is the church in 15 years? And so I, I'm right there with you. Cool. I'm excited, man. I'm glad you're on the team. You've already added a ton. You're, you're awesome to be around. And uh, the best, I think, is going to be yet to come be awesome. So. Uh, as a church, we commit to you to, to walk with you, to support you, even financially, to make sure that students get to be a part of what they need to be a part of. Uh, you are not a separate part of the church. You are the church, and we're going to help. You and the students become what they need to be. So uh, thanks for being a part of it. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I think you probably got what I got. You got to see his heart. Ryan is a great guy and he's gonna lead well. But now is the time for us to hear from God through Ryan. So, so church, come on, let's give a warm welcome to our new student ministry pastor, Ryan Callahan. Thank you very much. It is an absolute honor to be here with you. Uh, on behalf of my wife and my two kids, we love the snow, like this is just amazing up here. Um, and it's not just missionary work, like I know I said that in there, but like I love it here. So I, I believe God's gonna do some huge stuff and I would love to connect with you at any point in time. If you have a student, I, my heart beats for students and I would just love to connect with you. 
We've been in a series called Relationship Goals, and we've kind of looked at three ideas, and we'll end on the third idea. But I want to walk you through where we've been and where we're headed. The first week, we talked about how you prepare for marriage. We talked about maximizing singleness. The second week, we talked about how you prioritize your marriage. What we looked at was what you run from and what you cling to, and their boundaries and barriers are important. This week, we're going to look at how you pursue your spouse in marriage. Now, this isn't just a sermon about marriage. This is an, a sermon really about relationships, whether it be a coworker situation, a friend, a friendship, a daughter to dad, a mother to son, whatever it may be, how we pursue those relationships matters. And the question we're going to be answering is, in the next 10, 15, or 20 years, is your marriage going to last? Is it going to be successful? And the, the answer is, I hope yes. And I hope that we can get to a place where we give you some, some big ideas and we have some fun talking about it. But I want you to walk out the doors knowing that you have all the resources in the world to take on your marriage in a healthy way. I want to start by talking about the Olympics because we all love the Olympics. All of us are either TiVoing it or watching it like right as it's live. And I love the Olympics. We don't do TV, but I always like catch it on Facebook and all this. But I fell on this story in 2004, and it just blew me away. There's this dude. His name is Matt Emmons. And he's a decorated Olympian. He's actually a, a very, he's amazing at competition. Obviously, look at all the gold medals and all the other medals that he's got. But here he is in 2004, he's preparing for his second round of the Olympics. He's already received a gold for his first competition. He's after his second gold, and here he is. He's in first place by a wide margin. He's in on the last shot. He comes in to the last shot with all the preparations. He's already seen the scoreboard. He knows exactly what's going on. He's done this a trillion times. He's a master at his skill. Like Malcolm Gladwell says, he's done his 10,000 hours. He's an expert. So what he does is he gets in the pocket, and just like any shooter does, he scopes it out. Then he breathes to calm himself because there's been movement. There's, I'm in first place. Now we've got to get settled. He does this. Then he does it again. His second time into the second breath, click, he hits a perfect bullseye. As he rises to to you know, victory, his face is going crazy. He looks at the Jumbotron and he sees his name go from first place down, 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 all the way to eighth. What has happened? So he rushes over, he talks to one of the, the, the people there, and what has happened is he shot a perfect bullseye on the wrong target. Oh, come on. We all know this intuitively, a bullseye on the wrong target impresses no one. No one is impressed by Matt Image. Yes, we're impressed by his medals, but here he is shooting a bullseye on the wrong target and no one's cheering for him. He's gone from first to eighth place. See, Matt, somewhere along the way for this particular competition, did not prepare as he had before. He'd been doing it for years. He second-guessed his own, his own way. He forgot his gun. His first competition, he used a borrowed weapon. The fact that he won first place with a scoped, it, it's crazy. But he hadn't prepared. He hadn't, he got so comfortable and complacent with his ability that he stopped caring and he stopped actually investing in it. And we see that he lost because of it. 
See, this story isn't about the Olympics. It's about relationship. When we're first starting a relationship, whether it be a marriage, whether it be a coworker situation, a boss to employee, whatever it is, we give all we got at the start. We get so focused on hitting the target. We know what our expectations are. We know what our goals are. And it, we get excited about it. But the reality is, as time goes on, we get comfortable, we get complacent, we start to sh hit the target, but it's a bullseye on the wrong target. See, we all know this. If you're sitting here today and you've been married for more than a second, you know exactly that I'm right. You know that there have been times that you brought flowers home expecting a certain thing, but you didn't really get that, that expected whatever celebration to happen. And then you sort of question, Last time I did flowers, this were, like, what, what, what went wrong? Well, the reality is we all get in this situation in marriages and relationships. And there's really three big ideas that I believe that not only, it's not about hitting a bullseye every time, but at least we're going to shoot at the right target if we follow these three things. The first one is check your perspective. All of us have to check our perspective in a spousal relationship or any relationship. I was in a time when, when I was so upset about my leadership. I was leading a big ministry with lots of people, and I got so frustrated. I remember calling my wife and her saying, you need to call your mentor, not me. So I pick up the phone and I call my mentor who has a nose ring, and he's, got, he's just crazy. He's like, you would go, he's your mentor? I'm like, yeah, I want to be just like him. Not the nose ring, but you know what I'm saying? So we sit down for coffee. And we're sitting there, and I'm like word vomiting. I'm getting all anxious and amped up, and like I am. But I'm speaking negatively, and I'm just pouring this onto him. And he looks at me, and he grabs this cup. Yes, it was Starbucks. Sorry for you coffee snobs. But he grabs my cup, and he puts it in front of me, and he says, Ryan, what's on my side of the cup? Well, one, bro, you just interrupted me. But two, like, you didn't hear anything I was saying, and now you're asking me a question. Where do you want me to go with this? Ryan, what's on the side of my cup? And I said, well, I worked at Starbucks, so it's the drink box. We just go by the, the blocks. Let's, let me walk you through it. And he goes, assumption. You're assuming you know what's on my side of the cup because you have some theory. Or, or what if there's nothing on my side of the cup? How would you know what was on my side of the cup? And, of course, I was just like, oh, man, he just hit me right between the eyes on this one. So I said, well, I'd have to walk around the cup to see what your perspective is. See, he was teaching me a leadership lesson, but I went like, oh, he hit me so, like right there, he just told me everything about life. If we literally apply just this, check your perspective against somebody else's, all of our relationships would be better. The Bible has this to say, and it says it in two different places, and I wanted you to see this, same writer, different, different audiences. The first one is Philippians 2.4, and it says, don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. The other version in, in 1 Corinthians 10, 24, it says, don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. It's too easy for us to be about our perspective that we don't see the other person's perspective, and then we wonder why we miss the target completely. See, if I could paint it like this, I read a lot, I'm a, I'm a big time nerd, and if you couldn't tell by the glasses, like, we need to talk, but I read a lot of books, and there's this guy who talks about the needs of a woman versus a man, and I want to walk you through that, but I want you to imagine that those needs are e on either side of the cup. Let's start with women. There's four. The four greatest needs, take notes, take a picture, men, come on. 
I mean, this is, this is gold. I'm giving you gold right now. Four greatest needs of a woman are emotional and physical security, regular and meaningful communication, non-sexual touch, and romance. I am terrible at this one. As the years have gone on, I get worse because it's just sending communication like, hey, did we do that? Did we do this? And it's this back and forth, but it it, it sometimes is not meaningful, and I get caught up in just getting the things done. I'm an overachiever, so boxes make sense to me. Regular and meaningful communication is not a box. Amen, women. Women also need emotional and physical security. Dave Ramsey, the, the god of money, basically, has this to say. He says, you want your wife to feel secure in your marriage? Get a savings account with lots of money in it. All of a sudden, she feels secure in your marriage. When we first got married, we had no money. We blew through a lot of money. And then she started slowly taking over the finances, praise Jesus. And now we have an account that she is able to go, I think we're in a good spot. But what that does is her needs need to be met. And if I'm missing one of these four or even all of them, what will happen is I get stuck on my side of the perspective and I'm not seeing hers. Therefore, I'm not meeting her needs. On the guy's side, it's three. You know what I'm talking I mean, we, we already know where this is going. To feel respected and admired. To be loved and desired and to enjoy sexual intimacy regularly. Amen, gentlemen? Conversation over. See you later. No. (laughs) Listen. These are all important. What what you're seeing with these needs is they're different and they complement one another. When I romance my wife, she will want to enjoy sexual intimacy. If I don't romance her, if I don't make initiative in the relationship to do the needs that she has, she's not going to enjoy this and she's not going to want to do these things. Now, I told you what I stink at, but I'm not going to tell you what she stinks at because I want to be married after this. (laughs) Listen, the... We all have to check our perspective against the other person. And I'm not going to go through the needs of other relationships, but you can just fill in the blanks yourself. You have to understand the needs of your employee to understand them and actually benefit from that relationship. It's a two-way street. They have to understand you. And the only way we can do that is by walking around and asking lots of questions. The second way to see a successful marriage 10 to 20 years from now or, or longer, if you get to go that long, is recalibrate your affection. There's a verse in Scripture that actually says this really well, and it's in 1 Corinthians 7, 3. It says, Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. Now, I I studied this verse, and I went to the original language, and I I realized that this NKJV is the best translation of this particular word. And he uses affection. So I have to double-click on this word and go to the definition for you. And it says, a feeling of liking and caring for someone or something. Here's where I want you to focus. Tender attachment. Affection is tender attachment. What it is is let the husband and the wife begin to attach to one another in a way they never have before. And and it's through affection. And we're not talking sexual affection, but it can be that. 
when we look at affection, what we're looking at is how does that person receive love from us? How do we receive love from them? Again, we're kind of looking at perspectives, but let's look at it from this angle. There's a book called The Five Love Languages. If you've read this book, shake your head yes. If you don't, go get this book today. This book by Gary is an amazing look at how we receive love and give love. I'm going to show you all five just to give you the cliff notes. Trust me, he's way smarter than I am, and he can take you through these. You can even take a test and figure it all out. But I want to walk you kind of quickly through each one of them and then talk about our marriage and what we struggle with. Quality time's the first one. And quality time, see, like I've said before, what you receive with love, you actually give. So quality time, if you have this as a love language, what happens is, what this means, gentlemen and, and ladies, is no Netflix, no Facebook scrolling, eye contact. I mean, we're going like rudimentary here, like we're getting focus. All the distractions go away. This is a date night that focuses on that spouse because you're looking at them, you're investing in them, but it's quality time, and they're receiving that love through you spending time with them. The next one is physical touch. Most people go right to sex because it's the easiest, but this is mostly not sex at all. This is holding hands. This is cuddling. This is getting close enough to warm the other person up, those kinds of things. If you're not a cuddler in the room, this one's hard. If you are, you crave that. Acts of service. This means if you walk in your house, and I saw a funny video of this, but I wish I could show it. You walk in the house, and you see laundry on the floor. You see dishes in the sink. You see these things going on, and you go, oh, she's got it. I do this. She's got it. No, acts of service is if she receives love like that, I go and do the, the laundry, the dishes, I clean the house. And I did this. We, we had uh, finally had our first date here in Rapid. We had Michaela come over. And so I cleaned the house, and I was like, oh, man, I'm such a baller husband right now. Like, before we go out on a date, I'm going to clean everything up. And I do all this, and I told her, hey, do you recognize that I cleaned the house? Because I'm words of affirmation. We'll get there in a second. She doesn't say anything. Oh, I thought you cleaned it up for the babysitter. I said, what? <laughs> so all of that was wasted, right? But acts of service means you go out of your way to do something specific that they didn't ask you to do. Words of affirmation, super easy. Just say nice things about the person. My daughter does this really well because she's a words of affirmation lover. So she sends me a text every time I leave, you're the best. But it comes from my wife's phone, so I said, oh, this is a double thing. I know who it's coming from, but I'm going to accept it from both of them. <laughs> words of affirmation means it has to be specific. You can't just say you're good at that. It has to be, hey, you're good at this. Thank you for doing this. It means the world to me. Those, that's words of affirmation. It can be written or spoken. And the last one is receiving gifts. Most of us think we just get on Amazon and buy what we want. No. Receiving gifts is, I, I thought about it. I spent time with it. I went and actually got you a gift that no one else would understand that you would even like, and I got it for you. Here it is. That's what receiving gifts is. Now, in our relationship, and we had a little, a little talk last night about this, and we laughed about it. She originally was quality time, and she's morphed into quality time and acts of service. She doesn't believe me, but this, this is the truth. I'm words of affirmation through and through. 
What she struggles with is this. What I struggle with are these. See how it's important? We're never going to tenderly attach to one another until I go. I can't give her words of affirmation for her to feel loved by me. It doesn't work. I can write her the most poetic thing in the world, and she'll go, great, can you do the dishes? (laughs) Without being asked. See, I want you to look up here really quick, and without taking the test, and I highly recommend the test, but without taking the test, I want you to whisper in your spouse's ear which one they are if you've not taken it. And I want you to think about the one you are because it's important that we know what that love language is so we can give it. We have to recalibrate our affection towards one another. The last idea today is to pursue, the the relationship goal is to pursue connection. Now, Jesus did this the best of anyone. When I was living in Africa, I remember I was on a bike trip, and we're riding along, it's beautiful mountains, everything's going really good, like, it's an amazing ride, and I turn and there's a lion chasing after its prey. And after I cleaned up my pants, like, I was like, whoa. But the lion, of Judah, the lion of Judah has pursued us so well in connection that he came from all eternity. He came down as a man, died on a cross. If you can't, if you can't see that as the best connection ever, then we need to have a serious conversation. Here's a guy who gave up being a king of the universe, speaking things into existence, walks as a beggar, lives his whole life in pursuit of connection with others. See, Jesus did this so well. The lion of Judah does pursue us. Now listen, I'm not telling you to be a lion in your relationships, but I am saying there is a pursuit. In this Bible verse, it says, it says this in Colossians, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Whatever you do, there's this willingness, this pursuit, this desire, this running after. Well, Ryan, I've been married for seven years, and it's just kind of boring at this point. Is there any pursuit in there? Is there any desire at all to connect willingly with that spouse? No? All right. I believe there is. And I'm not going to let you off the hook on that. There's a runner. She's a decorated runner. Her name's Heather Kampf. And she, uh, her her name wasn't that when this actually happened. I'm going to show you a video. She was in a race in college, and this happened. I want you to just check this out really quick. Jordan in last year scored 23 points for the Golden Gophers in their Big Ten championship. So they're really relying on getting a lot of points from her this weekend. And she's just... Coming by Fondor now in the home stretch, heading into the bell lap. Gordon and falling down gets up quickly, but that's going to cost her. Lucky she wasn't injured. Her teammate just went to the front, though, so they may be able to recover from that. And Gordon is flying down the back she stretch. Is she catching is catching up. She is going to catch Fondor, and she may catch the leaders. Wow. Well, she's got fun. This is a gutsy effort by Gordon. right? I mean, she just totally killed that race. For me, I'm going like, now I want to run. 
But then I go, I like Sicky's Garage too much. Like, there's a balance there. Here's Heather who falls on the track. It's over. Everyone, even the announcer says, uh, it's cool because her other partner's in the lead. What? She goes, no, I'm getting up. I'm going to run this thing, and I'm going to win it. I'm going to show you guys. In an interview years later, she had this to say. Not every fall I've had has been so, quite so epic. She used the right word right there. But I learned that it's worth getting up every time. Listen to me very clearly. If you do not, if you just erase everything I say and you only hear this, this is the most important part. Most of you go today, I can't check my perspective, I can't give the tender attachment, and I can't pursue connection because in my marriage, I've fallen on the track. I've fallen down and I can't get back up because it's too hard, she's not going to see it, he's not going to see it, whatever it is, and I'm either laying on the track or I'm deciding to walk off. Listen, it is no accident that God brought you here to hear the message that it's worth getting up every time. In marriage, you're going to miss the target. It's not about a perfect bullseye. It's about locking into the target and just shooting until you learn the right way to shoot again in marriage. It's about learning that when you fall, there's this expectation in your mind that you're going to get up no matter what. Listen, please hear me. This is straight from the Father. He loves you. And just as he pursued connection with you, he wants that in your marriage. He wants there to be a connection like there's never been before. And it's your chance to actually say, I don't know how to do this. I'm going to pick myself up off the track. I'm going to look around. I'm going to say, that fall was bad. And I messed the whole thing up. But can we keep running? Can we run towards the goal of connection together? The best connection in any relationship is a conversation about me falling down and me going, did you see that? I fell bad. Everyone saw her fall. Let's not sugarcoat it or walk around it. Let's just say a fall was a fall and it's time to get back up. I don't know where your marriage is right now. And honestly, the only one that does is the father. And today, he's tenderly saying, there is nobody out of the race today. Broken relationship with your daughter, son. Broken relationship with your employer. Broken relationship with your husband or wife. All of them are repairable by the blood of Jesus Christ today. He's saying it's time to get up and run the race. Are you going to run the race is the question. Is it worth fighting for? Let's pray. Maybe today you would just simply say, not without, it's not an elbow situation, it's a you and God situation, where maybe today you just have to be honest with yourself. And you have to say, I've fallen down on the track of relationship, and I don't know how to get up. Will you pray for me? With all heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want you to raise your hand if that's you today. If you're struggling, just raise your hand and put it back down. I'm not, I'm not trying to make a thing of it. I just want to know who I'm praying for. Thank you, all over the room. 
Dear Jesus, we come before you and we realize that you're the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You're the lion of Judah and you chase after us with pursuit. You love us dearly. And you designed marriage and you designed relationships and they're messy and they're hard. But today, God, by your Holy Spirit, we're seeing the healing. Right now, God, may you heal hearts in the room. They need a redo. They need to stand up and run again. Father, I would pray that you would give them the courage to do so in the name of Jesus. By your power, that they would stand up and run yet again. God, I pray that you would be glorified in every relationship at Fountain Springs, that we would be people of healthy relationship. And that wherever there is a fracture, God, that you would sew that tight and you would, you would heal it in the name of Jesus by your power. And that we would be a church that stands healthy before you as we chase relationship. Thank you, God, for who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys very much.